Hello and welcome to Moose Meets, where I sit down with various protocols to explore their innovations and what sets them apart. And of course, we'll be digging for some exclusive alpha for you, so make sure to lean in and stay tuned to ensure you don't miss a thing. Without further ado, let's jump right in. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Moose Meets. Today, I have back the bunny from Rabbit X with me. It's a core team and of course, you've seen him done a lot of content and marketing strategy for Rabbit X. Hey man, how are you doing? Hey Moose, nice to meet you, man. I appreciate you inviting me on to talk, so doing well. Nice. I'm looking forward to hearing your personal story and of course more about RabbitX as well. So without further yeah, ado, me. right, could we jump right into how you got into crypto, right? What's your crypto origin story? And of course, give us a bit of an introduction of yourself as well. Yeah, yeah, sure. So um my name is Dimitri. Been with RabbitX for almost yeah, not two years, a little less than that, right? Year and a half. We actually started as a different project. I'll, I'll, I'll get into that a little bit later, but been with Rabbit for a while, um, helping build it up from kind of day one. You could say I'm a core team member. My what I do has evolved over time. Um, you know, started more as like the strategy research, you know, community side, and then as we launched, segued over to kind of what you guys see now: um, more content marketing, communication, still strategy. We have a very flat team, an awesome team, honestly. Like I, I love working with them. Ming, Chang, Krill, Angel, um, the devs, who I don't work with quite as closely, but yeah, just a really great productive team that, you know, it's uh, it's hard to build something and get along through it all. And, and I think we've all done a really good job during this time. I've learned a lot and I've really enjoyed it. So my crypto origin story though, I was aware of it. I got like some doge back in 2014. I accepted it for like utility payments and not enough to get like rich off of or anything, but you know, good money in hindsight, a good decision in hindsight, but I didn't really view it as much more than cryptocurrencies. And I use the word currencies in, intentionally there. I actually hate that term because I think it miscategorizes our whole space. I don't think almost anybody's building a currency. I think we're building assets that do things mm -hmm. and infrastructure and like technology and creations. And I think currency is very misleading. And in fact, it misled me uh, because for quite a while, I was like a, you know, a tech investor, you know, tried by kind of fintech kind of allocations i kind of just viewed it all as bitcoin and doge and whatever and you know just the currencies and i didn't view eth any differently i didn't understand what was going on i kind of was just incurious to learn more because i didn't think there was much more to learn for the same reason there's not much more to learn about the ruble versus the yen versus the dollar like there's reasons why they're priced differently but they're fundamentally just currency so at the end of the day and then during like late 2020 or so i learned about filecoin just by happenstance on the timeline you know, back in when I was more in FinTwit, not in crypto Twitter. And I learned about like what it was doing. And I was like, wait, a cryptocurrency, a cryptocurrency that does like uh, cloud storage. It's like an AWS thing. What, what is this? This is a real service. This isn't a currency. Then the scales fell from my ass. I was like, oh my God, this is like actual infrastructure being built here. What's going on here? And I started getting more and more into it. I really learned, you know, what ETH is doing with smart contracts and DeFi summer. And then I was just completely red pilled on it, like a super serious way, just, you know, ideologically, politically, personally, technologically, just to, it wins on every vector to me. So that, that was my real um, eye opening event was when I learned the utility and the infrastructure being built here. But you know, like I said, I've been a fan for a while and I've had some for a long time, but I honestly wouldn't count myself as being a crypto guy since like 2014. I was very just passive and thought it was fun. I was more just indifferent. But then I became a true, true believer, in, I'd say late 2020. Wow, nice. Like Dogecoin in 2014, that's really, really early. I think I, I, remember, know. <laughs> yeah, I, think I remember this thing, um, Doge 
probably like 2016 or 17. Mm. You know, and, it was, and it might've been 2013. It was two months after it came out. So it had just come out. And I remember I had a roommate who was into Bitcoin and we learned, I tell, he brought up Dogecoin and, you know, he was my early intro into it. And at the time I was like, well, this doesn't seem to be, why are these two things different? These seem kind of, the Doge meme just seems more Lindy and relevant and I'll take this one, you know? Um, so it was a good decision, but comparatively, it was not a good decision. I should have taken the Bitcoin, but uh, yeah, that's how I came about it. I had a Peter Science roommate it was a great sort of just curious introduction to it all. And uh, yeah, two months after Doge came out, I had some. Nice, nice. And you said you don't really count yourself as like a serious crypto guy until 2020. Yeah, because I wasn't like, a. I thought it was, I think you're a true crypto guy when you actually understand what's being built and supported on those grounds. Like, you know, we're building something in this space, like, you know, what Rabbit's doing or what all the, all the projects that are creating something like that's actually building in DeFi. And I like that term better because that's actually more indicative of what's being done here. You know, you're building like new paradigms for commerce. And I became like radically interested in it when I understood it on those terms and not the cryptocurrency terms, which again, I, I hate that term. I, I've written some stuff on this. I'm going to publish something again on this. I think it's like a, an extremely harmful misnomer because I think it, if I think if it misled me and I'm a pretty curious guy and I'm pretty, you know, tech investor inclined and I didn't look into it cl more closely because of that. And I actually have a friend who works at a hedge fund, a tech hedge fund, no less. And he doesn't, he's not even a little bit curious about crypto. And he's like, it's, it's amazing because he's a very smart, curious, you know, technologically minded guy. And I think it's for the same reasons. I think he just doesn't understand what's being fundamentally built here. He just thinks it's high beta NASDAQ. That's just like currency trading. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a hard thing to shake. And I really think it starts by stopping using that term and like, yeah, don't, it's like calling the internet, the information superhighway or something really boomerish, you know, like it's just, you stop saying that cause it's just start, it's just weird. I view cryptocurrency in those that way. It's just this weird anachronism that doesn't apply anymore. What do you think we should term it then? What's the better word? I think crypto works. I think crypto works perfectly. Crypto assets, if you want to, you know, be more formal about it. Uh, I think I love DeFi as a catch-all. I think that is the term to use, decentralized finance, because that is within that term, you know, it, it encapsulates everything in finance. It encapsulates a lot of stuff, whereas cryptocurrency like definitionally is narrow. It literally just means currency. Um, well, within DeFi, it encapsulates the currencies and encapsulates the infrastructure, the, the services like Filecoin, the, the, the things like ETH and uh, the whole gamut of it, you know, so I like that term. And I think that's what we should just use more consistently, like actively issue uh, the currency. The currency uh, ending. So, yeah, I like that. I like that. Right, and then like, what what did you do between twenty twenty and I think twenty twenty two? Right, like that's when you joined. Between, from when you considered yourself a serious crypto person to before you joined Rabbit X, like what were you up to in the space? Uh, so I worked for. I'll give you, I guess, a little bit more of a backstory to that. I worked in TradFi for a bit as a risk analyst um, at a major brokerage uh, for a while. So. Kind of got to see how the sausage was made and what goes into margining. And you know, I was on the hedge fund desk. So I got to see like how these guys work and move money around and what their portfolios looked like. So it was a great, like very hands-on experience seeing how the sausage was made. And then I did like sales, B2B sales for some startups for a while in Manhattan. Then that, you know, the bull market came along and things started to go really well. And I was mostly tech stocks, frankly, was most of my allocation. It was like, you know, W cloud and SaaS. 
tech uh, SaaS uh, stocks. And I did really well there. And frankly, I just didn't need to work anymore. <laughs> um, and I kind of was a bull market genius like everyone else. Though I did outperform, like even when you take out the leverage and I was levered, uh, but even when you were just at the leverage, I still outperformed like the QQQ and, and W Cloud and the other indexes of the stuff I. So anyway, I was kind of just sitting happy and just managing my own money for a bit. And then, you know, November 2021, which was the Pico top, I remember that very distinctly. It was for SaaS and, and, and stocks. I don't know if that was the absolute top for crypto, but I mean, I just proceeded to get absolutely obliterated. And I did a piece on this too, by the way, called uh, What You Get to Keep. I am not even remembering the piece of my own essay right now, uh, but I did a piece on this that kind of recounted it all. And it was what brought me to Rabbit because I got wiped out really hard, but like, you know, hard enough to where I started looking around for stuff to do for like, all right, let's find, you know, let's look back for work. Not so badly that I had to be desperate and I couldn't be picky. And so that was kind of the impetus that made me start looking around in the space. I think I used crypto jobs list to find Ming and Chang at Strips. It was Strips Finance at the time. It wasn't Rabbit yet. And then I got to know them and it just kind of happened from there. So yeah, I mean, it was, I was like, you know, fake retired for a bit. <laughs> it was a low interest rate phenomenon. And then I ended up looking around for something because of that and came over and found this. And in hindsight, like, I'm incredibly grateful that happened. Like, I'm, I'm much happier doing what I'm doing now and like meeting people in this space and having conversations like this and going to conferences and talk and giving talks and stuff. Like, I'm just, it's so much more gratifying and enjoying, enjoyable and just better productively, mentally, everything than just kind of passively existing, managing your own money. So in hindsight, it was a very positive thing. I'm super glad it happened. That's not cope. I really am. <laughs> um, I would make the trade completely for what I used to have to like the position I have now. Nice. And um, yeah, that's, that's what got me here. Nice. But I think interesting point where, like, why did you decide to go to like crypto, crypto jobs list, right? When you're looking for a job instead of back to the traditional finance um, kind of job. Well, I started learning about it. What was it like around late 2020? So, I mean, I was already kind of like happy by then. So most of my focus was within crypto at that time. Like I really got like completely fully immersed in that, you know, as an, from an educational standpoint, mid late 2020, late 2020. And while I was quote unquote, like, you know, just managing my own money slash retired, that was all I was interested in. So when I've started to, you know, wanted to look around for work, I was naturally, this is where I want to be. You know, this is where I naturally organically want to be. And so that's why I, like, I never once crossed my mind to look back in the TradFi space. And honestly, I couldn't imagine working in that office dynamic again, even remote dynamic for that. I, just the corporate kind of old economy way of doing things is just so stultifying and not inspiring. I mean, I would never go there as a first choice, like not even close. And it's a distant, distant, distant second choice. So I immediately started looking at this space because I actually genuinely loved it and wanted to be around it. So that's why I look here. And my background kind of speaks to it too. Like I have a, a solid, you know, strong finance background and a strong sales communication, a strong writing background too. I've written before for like publications, like political and finance ones. So it all, all kind of blends together for a skill set that is useful here. Nice, nice. Like the stars were all aligned. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to think so. In hindsight, that's how it didn't feel that way uh -huh. at the time, but yeah, in hindsight. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, I know we've been chatting for about 10 minutes now, but we haven't gotten into what is RabbitX? Like, could you share more about what Rabbit, RabbitX is and what you guys do there? Yeah, so we are a perpetual stex. And, and you know, I, I should rephrase that. We're, a, we're just a perp stex right now, but what we really view ourselves as, as, as a derivative stex because we intend to introduce much more than just perps. Perps are like the crypto product that has really strong product market fit. And so we're starting with that. 
And we intend to, you know, before RabbitX or V1 was Strips Finance, that was an interest rate swap product. And we, we plan on, on bringing those back. We also plan on bringing back assets like Forex. We're going to bring in Forex trading. We're going to bring in stock index perpetuals. So we want to be like a full derivative suite within DeFi. And so that's what we view ourselves as first and foremost, a derivatives index, a derivatives exchange. And, you know, what separates us or what we try to have separate us is that, you know, we do all the small things well and right. And at least I'd like to think so, you know, like our UI and UX is, I mean, it's pretty great. It feels like a real broker. You know, it doesn't feel like DeFi. Our speed, execution, our costs and fees, they're all extremely competitive with, you know, anyone else's space. In fact, they, they beat most in the space. And yeah, I mean, we just want to do all those little intangibles that I think a lot of people in the space maybe overlook or don't value. Like we take those really seriously, like every single step of the user experience, every single step of like what it takes to get on chain. We want to actually bring more people on chain. We don't, you know, we're not going to succeed by just taking share of the people already in DeFi. We need to actually bring more people and grow the pie for everyone. So I think there's a lot of ways for everyone to win right now. I don't think it's at all kind of like a cannibalistic environment where if we succeed, that means DYDX loses people or GMX does. Like the pie is so small right now, it's ridiculous. Like 2% of all perps volume, 98% uh, of all perps volume is on centralized exchanges right now, like 98 to 99%. So it's like DEXs have collectively one to 2%. That includes DYDX, it includes us, you know, on GMX. It's, it's so small. So we all have like a go to grow this space and um, we intend to be one of the best, if not the best, you know, I, I genuinely think we can be that. And that's the uh, overarching goal. Nice. And, and like how you were saying that the pie is really small right now. And there's of, of course um, a lot more space for everyone to grow together instead of like competing directly with each other. I think that's a really good point. And of course mm. you mentioned bringing on more users right onto DeFi and onto Drabbit X as well. And of course you guys launched your mobile app few weeks ago, right? So big congrats on that. How's the usage uh, user volume been? Yeah, yeah, thanks for that. We launched the Apple one first and then Android about a couple weeks later. And yeah, we're looking at, I think about 2K downloads or so right now coming up on that, which is, I mean, I think that's pretty encouraging for a DeFi product personally. Cause I mean, a lot of institutional people are not gonna trade on their phone. So to me, that looks, that that's a lot of like actual retail use, you know? and in the crypto space in the in defi right now for the amount of people in here that's i'm i'm happy with that so far and we've gotten really good feedback on you know its functionality it's kind of amazing how little bug reports i get like in discord or otherwise it blows me away frankly that we don't have more issues than we do i mean i worked at a broker for a while and you know there was bugs and things popping up all the time and it's like i have there's so little problems that we have so it really speaks to like how thorough our devs are and how just incredibly autistic they are with like testing and just they're really, really meticulous on um, Chang in particular is just amazing with that. So anyway, yeah, the mobile has been going really well and yeah, it's helped, I think, bring on a lot of activity. It also more importantly, like sends a message that, you know, a lot of DeFi kind of sucks on mobile. At least that's what I've, you know, heard and kind of been told that and seen anecdotally, they don't, they may be treated as an afterthought and, you know, a lot of trading and like activity in general happens on mobile. And I think it kind of shows that we're building this like a real company, you know, this isn't like this isn't like just a whatever project, like we're, we're treating this like a real business. And part of that is having a polished, pristine mobile app. In addition to stuff like that too, we've also released things like fiat on-ramping, which lets you onboard into onto Rabbit with, with a credit card. And uh, yeah, we have some third-party integrations too, like with Quant Tower and things like that. So we're trying to make this as low friction as possible to like get on chain, to start using us and then like have a really pleasant, great experience when you do. Yeah, I think it's really nice, right? Like, it's so rare to see any DeFi protocol launch their mobile apps. Right? I think 
you could count with probably one hand or, or two, right? Where the number of apps has been launched, the mobile app. And I think that's a really great step forward for you guys. Like, what made you guys, like, kind of want to come up with a mobile app, like, so quickly? Um, so, kind of one that, like, it's critical. Like, even though people tend to, it seems to not be an emphasis here. I just think that's a, a mistake collectively on DeFi's part to, like, view it as an afterthought. So like we viewed it as really important and, and Ming, uh, our CEO, you know, has been, is a great product guy, like super great. And, you know, we're all aligned with that. And he was really forward looking with like pushing the mobile specifically and like bringing it to the front of the queue, which I think was a great idea. And then we also just viewed it all from a long-term standpoint, again, the signaling it put out is like, you know, we're really building something serious here. I also think there's a lot of meta value there and like a lot of marketing value that kind of shows the mentality of what we're doing. So yeah, we view it as critical. We think it's extremely important. And we also think there's like an arbitrage opportunity because so many don't do it well. And if you can shine on that, then you stick out. So mm -hmm. I, I hope it's just enough for us to stick out with like a differentiated product and something that's like, wow, these guys are serious. Nice, nice, I like that. And I want to move back to your website on the, the web version, right? So you guys require users to deposit on StuckNet before we could start using the RabbitX app, right? Uh, no, actually, all the actions that you do um, is done on ETH mainnet. So you're going to be sending your collateral, like you connect your any EVM wallet works like Rabi, MetaMask. Uh, I highly recommend Rabi, by the way. I love Rabi. And then you send your collateral to the RabbitX contract, and which is held on chain. It's not rehypothecated. It's all held in the EtherScan contract that anyone can observe. And then the R structure right now is very similar to DYDX v3. Like multi-chain right now in Rabbit's current instantiation would mean just another chain for you to deposit collateral onto. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean the executions right now are happening on that chain. Um, okay. The, yeah, the order book it. is off-chain. It's a DYDX v3 model. Eventually, we intend on bringing that sequencing and now that stuff on-chain with RBX chain, kind of like DYDX is v4. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll, we'll follow a similar path there. But in the interim, yeah, multi-chain just means another avenue that you can deposit collateral into Rabbit for trading. All right, got it. Right, and of course, um, I've also seen it was Zero to Tom who actually shared on Twitter that you guys actually have deeper liquidity than Binance. I think it was for Bitcoin, if I remember correctly. Yeah, there was a snapshot, um, a Solana one. I think it was Solana. This was a while ago. Uh, this well, not a while ago, maybe like a month ago or so. Um, I think that's what you're referring to. If there was another one he made, I, I can't call that, but it, I mean, it's not always the case. Like, you know, it depends the market maker uptime and what have you, but there was like a good stretch where we were looking at the order book and it was just consistently deeper on Solana for Solana than Binance on us. And um, we're consistently competitive too, like on Bitcoin, ETH, and majors with major sexes. So if we're not beating them, we're very competitive and very close to that. So we, we take liquidity super seriously. It's basically part of the product. You know, it's, it's every bit the product as much as the UI is. So yeah, we, we put a big emphasis on that. We have great market makers and we're always looking to add more. We just actually brought on um, vaults onto Rabbit, which will just add even more liquidity. And we're actually working on even more vaults right now. So Nice. I think it's a really something they should be really proud of, right? To be able to match um like tier one sexes liquidity, even though like a DeFi app, right? But not many or even maybe you guys are the only one who are, who are able to match the kind of liquidity. We're trying. We're trying. I don't want to say by the way that it's always better. Like I, I'm sure there are people hearing this that are gonna to want to like dunk on this or finances where that's not the case. But mm -hmm. there were some times when it is the case. <laughs> and we found one of those and we posted about it. And, you know, it, we're always working to make that better and better. And, you know, we're, we're pretty competitive with like, with major sexes like that. So. Yeah. I think that's really awesome. Right. And just a curious question. How do you guys have so much liquidity? Is it, uh, 
a mix of institutional uh, market makers or like, is that purely from retail uh, users? Uh, no, a lot of it's our market makers. Like I mean, we have some great professional market makers that, you know, do their thing on us. And, you know, we have a liquidity bootstrapping program set up that, you know, rewards them in RBX if they meet certain uptimes and requirements. So in addition to that, they make money as a market maker in general from, you know, doing from trading on RabbitX. So yeah, no, there's some like pros doing their thing on us to help make the order book as good as it is. And I don't think there's any way around that. Like you need those, you need people who treat it like a business, at least initially, like when we reach a critical mass to where, you know, we have hundreds of thousands of users or something, or, you know, however many it takes, then maybe it can exist that way on its own. But uh, yeah, in the interim right now, the market makers are doing a great job, just keeping the uptime and depth there. So other institutional traders, we have, uh, you know, some high frequency traders that trade on us that they can get their fills with minimal slippage and all that. So. Got it. Got it. And you also mentioned previously that you guys were introducing vaults, right? Um, such as I think the Fusion Automated Market Maker, FAMM, that you guys were recently tweeting about. Do you want to go in a bit into that as well? Yeah, we just released that last week. I have such a bad sense of time because DeFi just moves so quickly. Like something I did two days ago feels like it was a long time ago. Um, yeah, so uh, <laughs> that it's a way for basically to, you to get passive yield on Rabbit. You know, you take your USDT, you deposit into a vault. And last I checked, the yields were pretty healthy. Let me bring them up right now. Like they were anywhere from like, you know, 40 to 60, 70% or so, depending on the, wow. depending on the market. And that's actually about the same right now. Yeah. 40, 79, 50. There are some RBX rewards in, included in that as well. But you know, a lot of that is just actual real yield, so to speak from the vault trading on the exchange and making money or getting, you know, maker rebates, things like that. So anyway, yeah, that's just a way for people to add more liquidity for retail to market make on an order book, which is kind of a, you know, the order book is, I would just say technically and just objectively superior liquidity. Like there's a reason why TradFi uses it. It's just, it's better, but it requires a lot of throughput and it's hard to have that on chain. So, and, but one of the limitations too is retail can't, can't liquidity provide on it and they like that and you can on the AMM. So this is a nice way where we can you know have order book liquidity and still let you liquidity provide on it with these vault strategies and make some great yield in the interim right got it got it and do you want to go a little bit onto the rbx token right um of course you guys have launched your token a while back and i think there's some staking rewards going on as well uh yeah we launched last year i don't remember the exact date but that's been live for a bit. And um, yeah, we plan on introducing, so there's no staking uh, live yet, but we are working on that for this year, probably Q2. We're still discussing like the framework of how we want those tokenomics to work. Um, it will be staking for, you know, have some, have governance abilities um, and it will have a, a revenue component to it too. Uh, TBD on what that looks like yet though, like we're, like the current just DeFi meta is just that this is, this is something I've been writing about. In fact, I just released a post on this today, which encapsulates my personal feelings. You know, I don't speak for the entire team, but it does encapsulate kind of this give and take where we want the token. We want the product to do phenomenally well and grow, but we also understand like some kind of yield is seen as a utility, so to speak, or a requirement right now. So it'll have voting abilities and it will also have a yield component, but we're not quite sure what that looks like yet. Because, you know, right now the goal is like getting Rabbit as successful as possible because as Rabbit as well, and it fundamentally is superior, you know, with just huge user numbers and volume that solves a lot of problems, you know, 
anyway, I don't want to get too rambly there, but that's kind of the mindset there. Uh, staking probably Q2 of this year, I guess mm -hmm. is the truncated version of that answer. Got it, got it. I might have uh, gotten it mistaken. It's the liquidity mining still going on? Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't call it quite that. Like we call it liquidity bootstrapping. You can call it mining mm -hmm. too if you want, I guess. But I, I think it's an important distinction because it's only for market makers if they meet certain uptimes. And this is in our docs. Like you can go to our docs and go to liquidity bootstrapping program. And we lay out like the requirements there. And these guys have to meet, you know, certain uh, spreads and uptimes. And if they do, you know, we have to incentivize them to help us provide our product. And I view that as an operating expense, you know, because I think most of these like yield farming things are sort of marketing expenses because they just try to attract people. This to me is operational because without them, we, we don't have a product. You know, we need these guys to provide deep liquidity and, and a good order book. So they do get rewards if they do that, but we have pretty strict and demanding requirements of them to do so. And um, as we get deeper and deeper with liquidity and what have you, we'll probably scale that back. Got it. Got it. All right. And what about like community rewards, right? Like I brought up the docs as you were talking. So of course you have some of your tokens to be distributed as trading and staking rewards and airdrops for trading on RabbitX. I'm kind of reading off the docs yes. right here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> let me bring those up too. We had, we had a Medium article as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it spells it all out in there. Um, I don't know if there's anything I'd add to that. Like we have... Um, uh, yeah, oh, I, I see where you got mining from. We use the word liquidity mining here in the docs, yeah. which is fine. You know, we, we have uh, an airdrop coming up here. I don't want to quote this for sure because I've been wrong with my estimate previously and I hate misleading people. Hopefully, though, it starts early next month. Like that right now is the official internal goal. So, you know, shit happens. Oh, but that is the goal um, where we would be distributing airdrop two and then starting airdrop three, like soon thereafter. So there's an allocation in there for that. And I just want to add to like the way we do airdrops, like we're very much trying to encourage and incentivize real traders. So we have ways of like assessing genuine usage and includes like open interest and profit and loss and some other things that if you're not being genuine and just wash trading will look weird. So we have a very holistic way of like trying to find people who are really trading. And if you violate our wash trading sort of checks, then, you know, we're not giving you money just so you can dump us and leave. Like we want to reward real people using this and have it provide value to us because we're providing value to you. And uh, anyway, that's part of the allocation too for the uh, RBX information you'll find in our docs. Got it, got it. I believe the listeners of my podcast will be doing real trading, boss trading, but for those who are, better watch out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you better, you know, I respect <laughs> the game, like they're just making money and, but at the same token, you know, they're just openly parasitic and mercenaries. And it's like, all right, well, I just, it's, it's a tired game. And I'm personally, I'm kind of dubious on the efficacy of airdrops at all. I, I don't think they, I don't think they work to be frank. We're going to do one more, like, and we've done one very small one and we're going to do this one, but set up in a way again, that tries to really catch and give it to real traders. But, uh, I just can't think of a product that succeeded because of its airdrop. I mean, can you like all the blue chips or all the successful products like got that way because they were first movers or they did something really right. Mm -hmm. But you know, is GMX a success because it did a huge airdrop? DYDX, I mean, because of an airdrop, is anyone like any of the winners that way? Or is it just like, you know, all the ones that do these huge airdrops are like literally like the hot girl for a month or so then completely forgotten about. And I just think it like really speaks to only myopic short-term mindsets that fosters myopic short-term activities and it doesn't build long-term behaviors that as a product as a project you should want to cultivate so we're trying to have it set up that way because i just think the current model is not very compelling and it's just this blatant round robin of parasitism got it got it understood 
And moving on to the next segment right now, what is the long-term goal for RabbitX? Like you mentioned lots of things earlier in the, included in your roadmap, right? But what's the long-term goal for RabbitX as a whole? I mean, the long-term goal would be to be the most dominant and best derivatives decks in both DeFi and TradFi, right? Um, you know, that genuinely is, is the goal, like, you know, certainly in DeFi. And I think DeFi will increasingly become more and more and more the paradigm that matters. So if you can dominate win this arena, you could become the very best. So that's the overarching goal. But I think like, you know, one that's more medium term, that's feasible is to become the best decks in DeFi, the best derivatives decks, and then kind of build and iterate that brand value and that infrastructure more and more. You know, we'd like to kind of become a liquidity base layer of sorts. We're trying to do that actually with a recent partnership we just announced with Blast Futures, which is a DEX that's on a BFX, which is a DEX that's uh, launching on Blast. Um, it'll be a perp stacks there and all of its trading activity goes to our order book. So the order book is shared. So you could almost view this as a way as rapid going multi-chain, frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it kind of is because all this activity is being routed our way. And, you know, having rabbit be a liquidity base layer, like a white label resource of sorts for liquidity and other infrastructure, you know, I think that's how you become a platform. And in the tech world, you know, the platforms accrue like all of the value. It's, it's a thing that you can build upon. And the, the when what kind of the metric for being determined a platform like in the tech world and the tech investing is when the value built on top of you is greater than the, your value. So like the market cap of all the companies on top of you is greater than your own market cap. That's when you truly become a platform. So I think that's an interesting side goal for us, if not a main goal that we're trying here with the BFX partnership. And then we want to iterate and go from there and see if we can become like a piece of like liquidity infrastructure, so to speak, in addition to being just, a, you know, the best decks you can find. Nice, nice. I think that's really interesting and huge congrats to you guys. Yeah, thanks, man. Right. And what else could we expect in 2024? Like, are any of the mentioned um, roadmaps, like, such as bringing on Forex, commodities coming up in 2024? Yeah, so we have more vaults coming. We just released them last week. We released a lot of stuff at the end of, end of year last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and for this year... Commodities like like gold, oil, things like that, uh, forex trading, and stock perps trading. I feel reasonably confident, like at least one of those will happen. I hope all of them will happen. More vaults are definitely happening. We released a quant tower integration. You'll probably see more third party integrations with us. And then from there, you know, rabbit uh, RBX staking. You will see variations of that this year, and it will continue to iterate and grow. Um, RBX chain is probably a next year thing, but that is certainly in our roadmap as well. and something we're working towards because, you know, you should want to bring on as much activity on chain as you can. And that's definitely a guiding light for us. Like we want the sequencing and that to be visible on chain because it's important, you know? So a lot more on the product uh, standpoint with markets, including more derivatives markets, more like TradFi related derivatives markets, staking, more vaults, and just hopefully becoming more and more the most prominent decks from just a branding, usability, UX experience in general that you can find. We want to actually start bringing on TradFi types. Like we're actually beginning to sort of look into what that entails and reaching out to people who are, you know, have brokers, but haven't really done something on chain yet. Like we want to actually grow our share by actually bringing people onto Rabbit that haven't been in DeFi yet. And we just think by building these products, we'll be able to do that and make it real user-friendly for them. So anyway, that's kind of the overarching 2024 goal. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Nice. Lots of things are planned right um hope that you guys can launch as many of them as possible right super excited for you guys but of course um looking forward to everything that you guys are doing no i appreciate that man i it's um we've gotten a really warm response and like solid support and it means a lot like uh 
I mean, especially me on a personal level, like it's really galvanizing and encouraging. I know we all appreciate the kind words and feedback and we're trying to do right and good by everybody. So, you know, when someone has an issue or problem, we're really attentive to it. And, you know, the community matters a lot, like a lot. And we put a lot of value in that and the people we have. And I think we've cultivated a really good group. Like we don't have a lot of like degenerate parasitic types in our discord and like in general um i think our messaging and my communication speaks to that and hopefully people take us seriously and we're not attracting those kind of lower brow types so um yeah i love our community love our team and yeah we're just really positive and happy from the feedback we've gotten so far nice nice um in fact actually that's all the questions i have today do you have anything else that you want to touch on maybe that we haven't discussed about yet uh, nothing I can think of off the top of my head. Just keep following us, you know, follow our socials. Mine, uh, my handle is Back to Bunny. And then the RabbitX main account, we post a lot of, you know, a lot of substantive stuff and a lot of like, you know, serious analysis and stuff that hopefully adds value to the community. And, you know, we're, we're really big on that reciprocity mentality where, you know, you give value to get value and we're trying to give as much value as we can. Nice, nice. Right. And probably it will come out by the time if, during if Denver, right? But yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, then I think if that is all, thank you so much, Dimitri, for taking the time, right? Really appreciate you coming on and sharing more about yourself and more about what Rabbit X is and what you guys have planned, right? Definitely rooting yeah, for but... you guys, right? Love, love what you guys are doing, right? Love the focus the team has and the way you guys are executing the thing. I think it's, it's really one of the best out there. Thanks, man. That means a lot. And thank you so much for asking me on. I'm, I'm glad we got to connect. Um, you know, I love the interactions from you and your content on the timeline. So always great to like meet new people in the space. And, you know, I, I try to not take it for granted, you know, like when people ask to talk or, you know, when you're meeting kind of your, your tribe, so to speak, I'm really grateful for DeFi in general, for the kind of people it attracts and the friendships and relationships it helps uh, cultivate. So I, I appreciate it a lot. And it's so nice of you. All right, definitely um, we'll be linking everything down in the description. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Moose Meets. I hope you enjoyed learning more about them as much as I did. Let me know which other projects you would like to learn more about in the comments down below. As usual, do remember to hit the thumbs up and subscribe to the pod. And we'll see you in the next episode.